this is Chop Shock Economics, bringing you the gonzo journalism about doomsday economics and the, the ongoing collapse of the American empire. And uh, my, my name is Death, and I am the exploding F-35, you know, raining bits into the ocean as it falls apart because it was, there was too much grift in it. My other co-hosts are... Dr. Spider who uh, spends his weekends licking uh, acid off of tabs made from the Necronomicon, as you do. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I'm Ms. Silver. Um, I play Ace Combat and wish that they had... Uh... <laughs> I will... Why did the brochure plane have to exist? They keep pushing it on you every every fucking mission in Ace Combat Five. It's annoying. It's annoying. <laughs> I mean, we all know the ADF X01 is superior. So, Glorious Belka. <laughs> so today we are interviewing Francis from What a Hell of a Way to Die. Away down south in the land of traders, rattlesnakes and alligators right away, come away, right away, come away, where cotton's king and men are chattels, union boys will win the battles right away, come away, right away, we'll all go down to Dixie, away, away. Dixie boy must understand that he must find his Uncle Sam away, away, away. away. We'll all go down to Dixie, away, away, away. We'll all go down to Dixie. So hello, 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 viewers of the end of the world and the beginning of a new one. We are in the time of monsters and we wanted to do an episode about the military and help uh, dispel some misconceptions that leftists have had about the and about the invulnerability of the military and how some have conceived it as an obstacle to revolution in the u.s so today we have brought francis from what of a hell of a way to die on to interview so say hello to francis hey i am i'm very excited to uh talk economics a thing i know absolutely nothing about um I I have some dollars uh, and I have a Robinhood account, so I assume that that's good enough. But uh, uh, I I see that I I understand that I've been brought on to be the avatar of the Dying Empire as one of the Dying Empire's fighters. So very excited to talk about this empire and its and its slow death, but possibly from a different angle uh, than your than your listeners are generally used to. That we can all see this shit is falling apart. So let's just call it what it is. Yeah. So, <laughs> there's no reason we can't have fun while it falls apart. Of course. <laughs> so you know whatever whatever it is you know if if there's ever been a time to shoot your shot in the DMs, I'm just saying right now is that time. You know the 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 things that you've been that that you've always thought one day I want to do that. Like as long as it's not travel, if it's something else, if it's something at home, go ahead and do it. But otherwise, you know. Uh, 
everything's probably kind of falling apart right now. Or maybe it's not. Who, who fucking knows? I don't know. So, Francis, I have a question. So, how was your experience in the military after you joined the uh, rotting corpse of the American Empire that is slowly falling apart? Well, to be fair, we weren't, we weren't falling apart yet by then, or at least I didn't, you know, people, people like me were not seeing the seams starting to, uh, to become unraveled because I joined in 2000. So, uh, I, I joined 17 years, three months of age. Um, and I am, I, what, what's today? Today is the, I am one month away from 20 years in. Um, and for those of you screaming, uh, you fucking cop, why are you still in the army? Um, they actually make you sign contracts that are multi-year. So when you like wake up and you're just like, whoa, this is terrible. Um, we shouldn't be doing this. And then you're like, I want to leave. And then the army says, uh, we'll literally put you in jail if you try to do that. And also, we'll make you pay back all of the money that we've given you. So, you know, you kind of hunker down and shut your mouth, and uh, which is what I've done. I'm a reservist, so I'm only a part-timer. But, uh, you know, that the, the idealism of a 17-year-old versus, you know, when you're kind of beaten down as a 37-year-old, um, I've always said that there's two directions that you can go with your military service you can either be really really into it and become one of those like grunt style wearing chuds that has punisher skulls all over and you know even their dog has a harness that has velcro and molly so they can hang their gun from it or something uh or you can you know be like me and you know kind of reject those things uh reject the absurdity of the military and say you know what we didn't actually do anything useful um so I the question that I have is what got you to that position? What moved you to leftism and anti-imperialism while you have been in the military? Well, the two the two main deployments I've been on, I went to Afghanistan in 2004 and I went to Iraq in 2009. And my first deployment, I was 20 years old when I left, uh, 21 when I came back. And so I was still young and stupid and full of idealism. Um, and believing, you know, in 2004, it was easy to continue. It was easy to still believe that like, you know, I'm in Afghanistan. Um, this is, this is where the terrorist training camps are. This is where, you know, it was easy to believe in, in the war in Afghanistan, especially because the people still kind of liked us then too. Um, and then I went to Iraq in 2009 and that was a vast difference because there is no like, ah, there's a reason why we're here. There's a reason why we're doing these things. Like, the entire war is predicated on a lie. Um, it was meant to bolster people, you know, making money off of Raytheon and Halliburton and KBR. You know, and, and, and when you go, you know, I went there and you see, like, the callousness of, uh, of, of, the Americans and, and how we do things and the callousness of the Iraqis who didn't want us there, but who also like, you know, we roll in, have no like desire or plan to learn anything about these people. Like that. So part of my training before going over was they had us, they had like two days where they had a, uh, a, a Muslim gentleman come in and talk with us about, you know, Muslims in the Middle East. This dude was from Morocco, like, which is in Africa. 
and he's telling us about you know sunnis and shias and and whatnot in in iraq it's like you're not even fucking from there like this doesn't make any sense there's nothing nothing you're telling us is something that couldn't have been told me by somebody else it's like you have a nice accent while you say it but you're still not of these of this world that i'm going to so it was this very you know is very hollow that that second time and then you know just being more into politics you know i got back from iraq um i was struggling with uh post-traumatic stress disorder uh i was drinking a lot um my girlfriend at the time who is my wife now you know she was kind of at the time getting fed up with my bullshit and and i mean i'm still don't get me wrong i'm i'm still full of bullshit but at least you know you start to find kind of a direction you're just like you you have that like where you you kind of realize that everything that's been shoveled into you has been a lie um especially when you take 10 minutes to like learn anything like you know when I was in grade school, I didn't learn that 90% of the Native American population was just absolutely wiped out by, you know, colonial settlers not being able to wash their asses and then bringing over a bunch of smallpox and wiping out an entire, you know, people and then mopping it up with guns and uh, just in general imperialism they don't teach you any of that you know it's oh the indians they they gave us the land and they agreed to go live on these shitty parts of the land so that we could manifest destiny all over the place you're like but we killed so many people and when you and it's like that you know the uh the the revealing of the fairy garden you know when you see one all of a sudden you see all of it so you know kind of a long roundabout way of saying you know i spent I spent any amount of time like doing research and reading about things and having friends who were already left. Um, I've got a, a, a very good friend who um, is a left anarchist who, you know, he's never, he, he's never been, you know, uh, uh, he's never been cruel or shitty to me or anything. He's just always been like, Hey, you seem smart. You should read these things. And I do read the things and I'm like, Oh wow. This is, he's like, yeah, when you're ready for more things, just come to me. So I, you know, it's just kind of a gradual thing over the last five to 10 years. Um, which, you know, a, a while ago, four years ago culminated in me starting an anti-military podcast and, so now I'm now I'm here and continuing to learn, you know, my my leftism is always changing and evolving and, you know, based on what I'm learning and what I'm seeing. So uh, I think that's the the biggest the biggest thing that you can do is always be ready to uh, to have a change. So earlier uh, you were talking about while well, you were deployed in Iraq and you were and you were basically there to help ensure the profits of Halliburton and other corporations there. But what I wanted to ask you is, uh, we know that there is a lot of grifting that goes on in the military industrial complex. Like how did, does that affect like the oppressed like of people on the ground? And how does that affect the soldiers when you have so much of this money that is going towards the grifting, but not towards, uh, like not towards anything that actually would be useful. Well, so so here's the thing with with grifting. The you got to understand everybody's doing the grifting. Um, it's not just the military. It is also the Iraqis. It is also the Iraqi army. It is also the soldiers on on the floor on the ground. You know, there there is so much just loose money um, in the government that if you go to if you go on a deployment 
and your only form of income is your paycheck from the military usually if you go on a second deployment that changes like you find something um i know when i was in iraq there was a army major who was buying rugs buying rugs in iraq like persian rugs um and shipping them home and his wife would sell them for like 10 times what he was buying so there's you know there there's that there's um all kinds of different ways we had uh people you know running you know making and running booze um making or uh, finding harvesting and running uh marijuana and hash uh the iraqis you know uh if if you go in they say hey we you know you guys blew up this this factory, this factory that uh, produces milk for, you know, for this region in Iraq, you guys blew it up, we need X amount of dollars, and then we need another X amount of dollars, and then we need another X amount of dollars. And the thing is, is that's how like contracts in America with American government work. So that's how they do it. And so it's just everybody is doing everybody's got some way of they're they're trying to put their hand in the pot and grab a handful. And the thing is, that pot is constantly full. So it's not like anybody it's not like there's a there's a big like, you know, as long as you're not as long as you're not fucking with anybody else's profits, it really doesn't seem like anybody cares. Um Attempted so, a audit of the Pentagon and the Pentagon's like response was, well, you know, at least we tried to have an audit, even though the auditor basically gave up because they looked at all the receipts and said, this doesn't make any sense. So like, I imagine that helps. We lost, we lost a pallet of, we, we lost a pallet of cash, just like straight cash that was saran wrapped together on a loading pallet lost, just gone. No idea what happened to it. And that's, that's happened more than once. And then, I mean, not only the grift, but just the massive waste of money where, when they started ripping home. So in Iraq, when I left, I left right before it turned to Operation New Dawn, which was supposed to be the last thing we had before everybody came home. So my commander, well, one of my old commanders was in the unit that replaced me in Iraq. And so when he came back, he was telling me about you know, when they were leaving Iraq, they're like, this is it. We're all leaving Iraq. You know, there's only be a bare bones amount of American soldiers back uh, here. So they said, okay, so what do we do with our equipment? You know, we've got all of this camera equipment because we're a public affairs unit. So we got these computers, we got these cameras, this, that, and the other thing. And they would say, okay, well, we're going to load them up into our connexes and send them home. And the logistics guys are like, no, 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 no. Take the batteries out of your cameras put the batteries over here on this pile, take your cameras and put it on that big pile over there. And the big pile over there was a big pile full of electronics, um, big screen TVs that were still fresh in the box, never used. Some of them may have just been used, like hung up on a wall to show the weather report in 55 inch high definition television to like the general as he walks by, you know, all these things. And he's like, throw it all on there. We're just going to light it on fire and burn it. We're not taking it home um, because it's easier for us to just acquire replacement stuff than it is for us to catalog all of this serialize it put it into boxes number all the boxes put it into connexes put them onto uh onto the ships and send them back to where they go so my commander told me he's like he he goes back to his to his people and he's like fuck that 
take your cameras, take everything, stuff them into your duffel bags because these are worth a lot of money and our units at home don't have these things. So this isn't take it home and keep it for yourself. It's take it home and use it at your unit because it takes a year and a half to get any equipment to do your literal job. So yeah, they just burn stuff. And you also got to think like, you guys remember if you saw the video of the Moundville Police oh, God, Department and their <laughs> Marine Corps. Uh, and I think like the LA, everybody was kind the of, Los Angeles right. school PD oh, actually right. had one. Here's the thing about the MRAP. It's a uh, mine resistant armored something or other basically it's a big it's not a tank it's like if if you take if you took a van and you put a shitload of armor on it the mrap is good for one thing and that's if a bomb goes up underneath you it probably won't kill you that's it that's literally it that's the only thing it's good at everything else it's shit it's terrible in urban it's terrible in uh rural areas it's horrible if you have to take it off road if it tilts more than 30 degrees is going to fall over and it's ridiculously hard to put back on its wheels because it's so fucking top heavy um and most modern ieds can blow right through the armor on it so they're really useless and the reason why all these these cop units are getting them now is because we have them we don't use them anymore we stopped using them years ago because they are as i said absolute shit and so we just kind of hand them out now because we don't have anything else to do with them. Like we're just giving, so what you're we're literally giving things that, away. What's that? So what you're implying here is that with this, it's when police use it, they're not actually getting any major use out of it. It's just more of a spectacle to emphasize how much, uh, it is, to emphasize the sort of invulnerability of the police. It is, it is so there's not actually a use to it. It's 100% a dick swing move. Like 100%. The only thing that these things are good at is you can park them and put a sniper. Uh, like they, they don't, they can't have the, the crew serve weapons like the 50 cal machine gun or any machine guns. Like, like we don't give those away. Thank God. But what you do is you, you, you have like a little overwatch or a little sniper nest, but like literally that's it. You can't even move fast with those things and they break down constantly. So it's really the only reason for them is to like bring it out and be like, Hey, look at the cool hardware that we have. But like if you have one of the MRAPs, like there's, there's three or four different kinds, like different brands of MRAP. They all kind of do the same thing. Um, but like there's ones where there, it has the, the swinging doors in the back. You have to understand these things are heavily armored, heavily armored. So the doors are very slow. If you're not careful, you will lose a finger when they, if they close, cause you got to slam them. And if you're not paying attention, you can lose a finger with those things. And if it's the one with the stairs, Jesus Christ, it's like one of those, you got to hit a button and wait for the stairs to come out. It's like, where are you tactically moving while you're sitting here waiting? It's like, like you're waiting for, this for, like, uh, the, like the, the, the little sounds thing, like the elevator that takes you of the F35. I like, yeah, did coke with this guy back at ho- like hard business school. I swear he totally can handle this. And let me tell you, you know where the MRAP originally came from is the millet, the army got the idea for the MRAP because we developed it. We developed the, the current version. Um, well, we along with whatever contractors. But originally the MRAP wow. was created by the Rhodesian <laughs> army because they kept getting Wait, this shit. Are you fucking kidding me? No. Yeah. What the fuck? If you go back and you look this up. This is like, like parody level. 
If you go back like, and you look up, if they don't look like what they do now, and they're a very basic version, but it's still like the idea is to have a V-shaped hole plating underneath it because the Rhodesian army kept getting their shit blown up by the local Zimbabweans for good fucking reason. So the they originally they're the ones who came up with this like, "Oh, if we if we armor if we make the armor into a V when it explodes, it just blasts off to the sides and it gives us a better chance of surviving." Oh, but damn. yeah, the uh, original the proto MRAP are uh, were developed by the Rhodesians. Oh yeah. Like that, If you don't know who like, the Rhodesians are, y'all go look are, it up and enjoy a fucking trip. Yeah. For those not familiar with the Rhodesians, they were basically a white supremacist settler colony that Baruch Hashem has, has fallen, fell about several decades These ago. These are like the only now, people who uh, can make the, the country Northern Irish, like hardcore unionists look not completely fucking bonkers. Maybe. <laughs> The the only like the only people who were like more evil than them at that time were the white fascist uh, South Americans who South not South Americans South Africans who uh, basically did a lot of horrific shit both oh, yeah. within South Africa oh, yeah. and you know all throughout Af- the rest of Africa. I mean, you can there's some horror stories about like some really fucked up like operations they pulled like how like a lot of the apartheid uh, war criminals went on to become mercs after the government fell. uh But yeah, (laughs) yeah, that's 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 where the MRAPs originally come from. So enjoy that history next time you see one. So Francis, I have a question for you. Um. Uh, we're, we've talked about uh, some issues within the military and how everyone grifts, uh, but I'm interested in a more broader picture. From your perspective, what are the current strengths and weaknesses in the military? Like, what are the logistics <laughs> like now? Like, I heard from a friend in the, who was in the military that right now it's over undermanned, overextended, and basically exhausted from the forever war. Is that true? To what extent does that mean? And if so, how did that affect your time in the military? Like, what did you witness? What did you experience? Well, my my second deployment was still kind of in the, those surge years. So I didn't really notice a whole lot of... Um, I don't know, I guess, Lemays or Lamas or what... Like, I didn't... I didn't. There, there wasn't a lot of... Um, of the overextended people certainly like were like, ah, oh, man, we sure have been doing this for a long time. But like back then it was only nine years. Actually, Iraq, I guess was only six years by then. So, you know, there was always that hope. It's like, ah, oh, this is it. This is the generals finally, finally got the idea. Um, and now of course a decade after that, when we're nearing 20 years, all that's right out the window. Um, I have often talked about like one of the biggest strengths of our military is we do transportation and we do logistics incredibly well. Like I, I, I'll tell you, you never you never ran out of water, you never ran out of bullets, you never ran out of beans or bandages or any anything like that. Um, all of that stuff was always um, it was always there. Like even if it was MREs, you still you you were still eating. Um, so we we do those things and and we do we can do humanitarian missions pretty well um it's just unfortunately we're doing humanitarian missions usually because we've already fucked up the region um 
but yeah, I mean, we're, we're losing, you know, we're losing people. Uh, we're not getting, we're not hitting the recruiting. We're not hitting the retention goals that we, that we need for like multiple reasons. Like one of them is just simply American, your average American 18 year old does not qualify to be in the military anymore. Um, they're either out of shape, uh, they have, they might have some background, you know, some problems in their background. So we're not in, you know, we're, we're not necessarily in the surge years anymore. So the things that you used to be able to get away with, you can't really get away with anymore. Uh, the economy, you know, up until the la- obviously, you know, the last couple of months, the economy has been pretty good. Uh, and the military does well when the economy is in the shitter, except for right now when, the the economy's in the shitter, but nobody wants to sign four years of their life away just because because it's it's one of those like the economy's in the shitter, and I don't exactly see how the military is going to make it any better. And of course, you know the military hasn't been in a great light recently. What with National Guard being out at the the Black Lives Matters protests and everything. So, I mean, really, we are we are our own worst enemies. Um, you know the Amer the American military cannot staff it because the American you know your average 18 year old American cannot or will not, or just doesn't want to be in the military. And uh, I, I don't know what the answer to that is. Like if we still had a strong economy and I was like, and you know, I could sit here and say, you know, with confidence that uh, the American, the American dream will go another 150, 200 years with no problem. Uh, I would say that probably institute some kind of draft or, or, or national service or something. But I, I, I don't know. I mean, I just really feel like the military is going to, it's going to be stretched to a breaking point. At some point in time, it's going to break. Um, and I, the thing is, I don't know what that looks like, though. I don't know what a broken military looks like because I don't know if I'm looking at it now. Um, mm-hmm. I, I have a commander in chief who's absolutely insane, um, and all the generals who were supposed to be the adults in the room, quote unquote, uh, have been absolute assholes and completely un, completely useless. So what what does broken look like are we in this decline already uh you know our strengths and weaknesses i mean shit our weaknesses is just we can't we can't stop throwing bad we can't stop throwing money at a bad at a you know down a bad stock or whatever you know what is throwing good money after bad money we can't stop doing that we can't say that we lost we can't you know uh, parlay with the Taliban. We just can't because we have to win because that's the American thing. We win. We win wars. Technically, we haven't won a war in multiple decades, but, and even the wars we won, you know, are asterisk, you know, like, yes, you won, but let's give it up for the Soviets too now. Uh, and the Aussies and the, and the Aussies and the Brits and everybody else has showed up. So like stuff like with like the, like the reports that came out with the sixth fleet, like, do you think there's more incidents like that, that aren't getting reported on of like units that are like, like at the level of like warrant officers, like using bottles to store their piss because there were just not enough people fit to relieve them. Um, let me, let me tell the Navy is a whole different fucking shit show of their own i mean the navy can't stop running their boats into stuff uh which is their which is like number one when you're in the navy like like number one don't run your boat into another boat or anything else should be what's on the thing 
um like you know but they 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 keep doing it they've got their they've got the fat leonard um scandal that's been taking down a good chunk of uh their upper echelon officers and admirals and it seems like every year there's a sex trafficking thing that's run by some navy uh seaman somewhere in like the philippines or in thailand or something so like the navy has the navy is its own (sighs) wild west shit show it's like Um, rum sodomy and the lash really yeah so and and the thing is is that you you have you do you have to keep you have to keep shit together you have to like if you're a captain you have to keep it together for you know your crew you can't be seen running around you know crazed and yelling and screaming and you know saying oh if it you know the sky is falling but also at the same time what you know how do you what does that mean how do you keep how do you keep shit together how do you go out and you know use bailing wire and spit to keep something running until it doesn't and then you know five ten fifteen people die because somebody literally fell asleep at the wheel or people were not trained properly on you know all this high-tech shit that we have all these like you know these these navy ships that can ping every other navy ship around the globe using satellites but you know people don't know how to operate like hey if i hit this button then i'm in control of the ship but if you hit that button then you're in control of the ship and then we just keep hitting the button back and forth because we don't know what the fuck we're doing because we're not communicating. And then we run into a cargo hauler, um, which is literally what happened uh, a couple of oh, years yeah, ago. Oh, yeah, that incident with the seven. So, yeah, I mean, th- things are – yeah, yeah. I mean, things are being very much held together um, with bailing wire and spit all over. And and the thing is, is that's really how it's always been. Like, I just think when I joined, like I said, I joined in 2000. So I joined before the 9-11 push. And I joined, uh, when I say push, I mean of money. Um, and I joined, you know, well into the Clinton era um, drawdown of the forces. So we didn't have a lot of money. We weren't doing a whole lot of cool training and going places because they were like, no, we don't have we don't have the money. We're just not doing any of those things. And then 9-11 happened. And all of a sudden we got nothing but money. But also we're not spending the money on training. We're spending it on the F-35 so that we can have a we can have you know the most ambitious um, airplane that can do multi-role fighting and it can take the place of uh, all these other aircrafts and yeah sometimes it blows up and catches fire sometimes you know sometimes <laughs> you can't, can't take, take off, off in the, the rain. rain it's delicate it's a delicate young boy it's still in its prime <laughs> um but you know but to fight what who the fuck are we fighting with an f-35 like are china like do they i don't know what china i don't know what china um their their capabilities are but like i don't think china gives a fuck about us other than taking our money russia can't stop their one aircraft carrier from catching on fire china has two aircraft carriers we have like 20 like we have such an insane show of force like it's no reason it's no wonder like we can't keep shit together we cannot stop like just building up these things and the thing i find hilarious about this is that when they've done war games of what you know fighting between china and the us would look like you know navy wise uh, in the south china sea in the south chinese sea you know the, every time they've done it the us has lost horribly like i think they i think it even went to the point where they had to like rig 
I'm not sure if it was this war game or another ga- war game where they kept losing, but it got to the point where they were so frustrated that they basically um, had I believe you might be talking about Millennium Challenge 2002. Oh, that one it's like which, it's... <laughs> yeah, I've I have I have podcasted and written extensively about uh, about that one. Um, that one is it's not as cut and dry, but it's still it is very much like we didn't learn we didn't learn the lessons that we were supposed to learn from that one. Um, and there's a very good chance that that's going to come back and bite us in the ass. But yeah, I mean that's 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 what we do. We we will absolutely just kind of be like, oh well, you know, what if this happened? Then we'd do this, and then we'd win. Like the Millennium Challenge 2002, the big thing was you know they're they fighting is big war games in 2002, uh, pre Iraq, um, post Afghanistan. And it was kind of a like, okay, well, if we had to fight, you know, Iran or Iraq, here's how we would do it. But like their oppositional forces um, guy was this general named General Ripper, who was like, who was nuts, like, and nuts in a good way. Like he thought he he thought like an insurgent. Um, and he's like, okay, these are, you know, these are their goals. How do I keep them from getting, reaching their goals? And like the first thing he did was like, I don't know, kamikaze speedboats. And then he won, he won, he sunk, you know, the entire fleets with, uh, with those. Um, and it's like, all right, refloat it. And I don't want to get too much into it. Cause I'll talk fucking forever about millennium challenge, but it is like there, there was a lot of, I read like all of the after action stuff and Ripper was just like, you guys learned nothing from any of this. Like you, you stepped on me from and and every, and every point. And it's like, you know, you can lose. It's okay to lose because this is training. This is a game We're lose so that you know what to do later. And I mean, at least they did do something about the, uh, the speedboat thing. Um, ironically enough all they did was drive a marine lav up onto the deck and they're like shoot speedboats if they come at you with your 30 millimeter cannon and that's it that's that's how they do kamikaze speedboats now (laughs) so you've talked about the composition of the army and composition of the navy uh what about the air force i mean it's a cult of the f-35 and i I've heard many things about how the officers are basically extremely chuddy and fashy Christian dominionists. Uh, there might be some differences between them and the rank and file in the Air Force. Like, from your experiences in the, in the military, like, what did you learn about the Air Force? Like, what is their composition? Um, I what is don't their have very alignment? much, uh, very much with the Air Force, um, and that's just I just don't run into them very often. Um, the few Air Force people that I did run into were perfectly fine and nice. Um, they are pretty wild, though, uh, in general. Uh, hold on. I'm going to throw something into the chat here. Just if I don't know if you guys have seen this, but it's my favorite picture of the Air Force. Uh, I'm throwing that up in the recording <laughs> booth thing. I need you all to what? take a look at that. That's real. Yes, this is the most the anime, anime that looks like a human These people are the weaves. Air Force anime sword, and look how serious those two airmen are holding it too. Like those are those are sergeants, those are NCOs of the Air Force holding on to the Air Force anime sword. And like for 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 you at home, just Google Air Force sword, and you will find exact. It's the the top image. 
um, because it is a fucking ridiculous thing. So when I think the Air Force, I think, one, the people who had four-month deployments while I was stuck there for a year. Uh, I think, two, the people who never had to go outside of the wire and get shot at. And number three, I think about uh, how they had all the nice stuff and the air uh, air conditioning um, and the better chow halls and the better living conditions and everything. So mostly what I think is that they're way smarter than the rest of us. Like the, the army and the, the Marines, you know, we like to, we like to beat up on each other, but we always like turn our noses up at the air force, but like secretly deep down, we all kind of wish that we could be air force, not all the time, but just like for a week, just to, just to eat at the nice chow halls and have an air conditioner that works. But other than that, I don't know anything about the about the the Air Force other than they're just they have a they have an anime sword. That's <laughs> what else do I need to know? <laughs> Someone took like the Knights of the Sky thing a little too far there. It's a Final Fantasy sword. Like you keep I I I don't play Final Fantasy, but Cloud Cloud hey that Cloud is a sky thing. Maybe maybe that's it's all it's all an Air Force grift of some kind. Uh, so, um, in the military, I have a question. How prevalent are, you know, fascists in the military and how prevalent are, uh, leftists? Like, not necessarily people who enter in being leftists, but, you know, like you, uh, get in and get disillusioned with, like, what, with what you were taught and end up becoming a leftist. Like, I how prevalent is most, that within the military? Most of your, most of your soldiers, um, are they're going to join they're going to do their time maybe some of them will go career uh because of one reason or another you know um some of them get jobs that require them to stay in the army reserve uh some of them might just be like i like it um i like my job um and it's not hard i mean i make for one weekend i make four hundred dollars and i do not do a lot during those weekends so you know like i'm it'd be crazy to just be like oh just walk away from that you know for for some people some people you know like that and i mean for the most part people people in the army are just normal people um yes we are probably a little bit more right-leaning um may, like conservative is the default of the military uh and so when you're a democrat like if you're openly like people are not generally openly Democrat in the military, um, openly conservative is fine. But also, I don't really see a whole lot of like, you know, Trump 2020 flags or or things like that. People generally try to keep their politics themselves because they all like work together. Even your neo-Nazis that are in the military keep that shit to themselves for the most part, because a lot of times they know it's like if I get caught, I might get kicked out um, and they're not trying to get kicked out. So, I mean, I, doing the podcast, I definitely have a lot of people reach out to me who were in or they are currently in and they find themselves being more disillusioned with the with the military. They're finding out that the things that they were told when they were 16 aren't the same when they're 26. Um, so, but on it, like, fa like full on fascist, not really that many, but also full on hardcore socialist leftist, not that many either. The vast majority of the military are just regular people, probably leaning more conservative than anything. But even that, even that, like I've seen polls that say that the military is not really behind, uh, Donald Trump. So I don't know. I don't know where, I don't really know, know where that goes. I can speak to my unit. Um, I don't know any of them in their personal lives, but none of them seem fascist to me. So, but I know I don't really seem socialist to them either. I'm sure. Oh, okay. What do you think? Like the whole like, because you're so mentioning a, like, particularly like Trump and 
like, I guess you could say it's, like, more, like, lowercase c conservative as opposed to, like, aggressively, ideologically, you know, let's bring in the Bible and put the people back in the debt prisons kind of conservative. But, um, like, what would you say has been the impact of having a, like, commander-in-chief who, for lack of a better description is like yosemite sam after going on like the most hellacious cocaine bender of all time and less temper control and no follow-through i i certainly and it's been a while since i've been around active duty soldiers um the last time i went to I went to Colorado like a couple a couple years ago to do uh, a class like for some online stuff. So that's the last time I was really around, and that was that was post Trump. Like Trump had been elected and and was in, but it was still very early in the in the days. Um, so that that's when everybody was still trying to kind of feel Trump out. Like, what's he going to do military wise? We know he quote loves the military, but what does that mean? So I definitely ran into some people that were like, you know, oh, you know, he's he's going to let us take the gloves off in Afghanistan. You know, we're going to finally we're going to finally be able to do something, um, which you know is not true whatsoever. There was never, there was never a take the gloves off. The gloves were never on in any way, shape or form. Um, so I haven't been around too many soldiers. Um, and again, we don't talk politics that much. Like you don't sit around and, and talk about those kinds of things because you just get into arguments. Um, cause, cause I don't want, I don't want that. I don't want like to know that the guy that I get along with well, who's in the cubicle next to me and who, you know, I'll, I'll sit and we'll play, you know, dick around on our phones and, and, you know, just talk shit about stuff. I don't want to suddenly find out. He's like, Oh yeah, by the way, um, you know, I think that we should be, the cops should be running over all the black lives matter people. Like, I don't want to know that. Like I just, because then it's like, fuck now I can't, now I can't hang out with you because now I have to deal with this. So we don't talk politics much like you don't talk politics, like to the people in your office, you know, outside of, you know, whatever is on the TV at the moment in the break room. So I don't know. It's, I, I don't, I, I just, I guess I'm just not qualified to answer that question, but also it really varies from place to place. I mean, your infantry soldiers are going to be way more conservative and way, way more, you know, turn into a glass parking lot, kill them all, let God sort them out kind of, uh, people while me who's public affairs pao is filled way more with a bunch of nerds um you know the the 25 series which is the the computer tech uh the intel people generally a bunch of generally a bunch of dorks um you'll probably find more centrist and left you know liberal leaning politics there uh but yeah we don't really we don't really talk about it because also the president doesn't really affect your day-to-day operations that much like don't get me wrong trump certainly has because he'll just tweet things and we have to like be like well he's the president so is this tweet like legally binding does this how does this work you know when the transgender ban went through but it's like but this is a tweet and we have no idea what we're supposed to be doing with this uh people push back against it so it, it you know, it, it really depends. It depends on the soldier. It depends on the place that you're at. It depends on the people you're around. Um, so yeah, I, but I don't know. Like, I, I think, 
as I said, I can only go by polling numbers, and by polling numbers, I see that Trump's support in you know in in the military has been kind of waning, and I'm sure that a lot of that is just because we're you know soldiers aren't stupid. Like you know when when being a soldier is your job. Like if you're a full time active duty soldier, and you know you're like I have friends in in Germany who got their childcare taken away because of some like they're they're just like yeah we're not we're not doing on base uh, childcare anymore for you know soldiers and it just goes away and so like how are you supposed to deal with that when you're you know two soldier you know uh, a a family of two soldiers and with you know a kid or two or three and you're overseas how do you how do you suddenly have to deal with that now not only do you have to deal with that your command has to deal with it because you can't just leave your kids at home you know if they're and now school is not in session so you know you you start to see those cascading things is like these little things start to 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 break i even talked to one guy who uh he his he's ex military. His wife is currently military, and they're living in uh, on base housing. And on base housing is absolutely garbage, and nobody takes care of it. Like it's all it's all um, contracted out. They're saying that they had been living in a house that like their kids' house didn't have or their kids' rooms didn't have windows because a hail st- a hailstorm came and busted out the windows, and all they had was plywood up for like six months straight. They had to put a space heater in there, which you're not supposed to do. But it's like we have to do something. This is, you know, they're in a, uh, a, a Rocky Mountain state. And so so you, you have soldiers, like, having to deal with this shit on their day-to-day basis. And the thing is, for people, for soldiers who have been in for more than a day, you know, the, those who have been in for five years, who have been in for 10 years, 15 or 20 years, they remember a time when before it was like this. And they're like, we used to not live like this. What happened to that? And so that is really the breaking that that's where you start to see the cracks kind of start to form is because you will have people have their their day to day lives oh, disrupted in those ways. Speaking wow, that's like appalling. Like, so speaking of like, cracks, I mean, how? Um, yeah, it's incredibly how, appalling. Oh man, I could look. I look like the military. The military. Nobody gives a fuck about the military. First off. Um, the politicians, the, the people in the, the real, regular world, but also like I saw, I saw an article a couple days ago that, uh, when that said that when there's a COVID vaccination, the military would be the first ones to start getting it. And I know that that's supposed to be one this kind of like, Oh, you know, our fighting forces are going to get so that we can get our, get our nations, you know, the protectors of our nation back into fighting form. Here's the thing. I remember a time when they gave us anthrax vaccinations. I know I am not anti I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I love vaccinations. Fucking juice me up. I've got smallpox vaccination. I got, you know, took malaria stuff. I'm all about it. But when they came at us with the anthrax vaccinations in 2004, the FDA had not approved it. They had to like physically, they had to stop, they, they had to do an injunction to stop the military from injecting us with the anthrax vaccination because they didn't know what it was going to do long term. If you want to talk about burn pits, you want to talk about the shitty water that we have on uh, uh, on military posts. Like the military, the entirety of the military, like the only thing that propels it forward at this point in time is the insane jingoistic patriotism of the American populace to wave flags and pat them on the back and say, here's your 10% off at Applebee's. Now go on out there and do great things. 
And, you know, you go out there and you do great things, but the great things get your knees blown out. They get you a traumatic brain injury. They poison your children because there's lead in the water pipes. Uh, and they put you and your family at danger physically, uh, emotionally, spiritually, or financially. And at the end of it, you can do the hooray, I did it kind of thing, or you can be like me and say, fuck all of this. Uh, don't do it. Don't join. Nobody gives a fuck about you. They will literally chew you up and spit you out because they did it to me and they did it to everybody else I know. Like, like, and how is it that they just, I mean, because you mentioned, like, the jingoistic, like, is that really, like, the, literally the only thing that's, like, holding back what sounds like, I mean, if you, like, reported those conditions to even, like, the most, like, bass backwards like, city health departments, they would at least, like, pretend to go, oh, shit, maybe we should condemn this building, like, Oh, man, I have stayed in barracks that were built in during the World War II era that had black mold in it that specifically had things inside of it that said, this building is condemned, do not occupy, and guess where we were sleeping that day? They don't care. Um, and look, I know I would love to believe that in the civilian side they do too, but I mean, look at Flint um, and look at the thousand other places that have that have these problems. Like the the thing is, I'm telling you about these things because they're easily searchable. You can find news articles that say, that te- that will tell you about all of these things. Um, this isn't new, interesting stuff that's out there. Again, nobody just nobody cares, and the. It's just all of these like contradictions coming to a head and starting to intensify. Like it's really interesting to note that you're that when you say that the glue, the duct tape holding this all together is just the utterly bizarre, utterly insane like patriotism and nationalism amongst the American populace. But you know we're living in this time of a greater depression. We're seeing this pandemic that the government has handled absolutely horribly. Uh, both parties are horrific in their own ways. You have a Dixiecrat for the Democrats, and you have a, Wish.com, su- a pseudo-authoritarian fascist for the Republicans. Yeah, and, yeah, basically like Mussolini. Uh, they're both. You either can vote for in November the blue racist rapist or the red racist rapist. And it, right now, we're seeing all these uprisings across the United States where where people are fighting against the police and have found that they're not invulnerable. Like we've had multiple police stations that have burnt down. Like this is something that is only going to intensify given the economic situations only getting worse and worse. Like, I guess what my point is here is that people are starting to see that, that this image that we've had of America as this force for good in the world and force for good in like our own country, that's falling apart to be frank. And if that's the only thing to, that's holding together the military, then I guess well, my I mean, like, is, like what I, comes next? Like I said, there is a lot of there, – there's, there's not as many people being recruited. Uh, COVID is absolutely affecting that as well. Um, God, I'll tell you, one of the most insane things I heard, there's a, a lady in Utah who is going to start helping the military with uh, recruitment. She's a gold star, gold star wife, which means that she lost her husband uh, in, in the war. But her husband was killed by 
like it was a green on blue, which is basically the Afghan National Army or something. One of them was actually like a sleeper Taliban or whatever and shot him in the back. So but she's going to like try to help the military recruit 10,000 new soldiers. Like with what fucking story do you have? Yeah. Like join the military. My husband was shot in the back by somebody he thought was his ally. Wouldn't you love to do that? Like. I don't, I don't even know, but you know what it, what it becomes is, you know, my husband was a hero. He was a patriot and look at you, you people are, you're, you're 18. You haven't done anything with your life. And to be fair, the military is an incredibly, like when you just look at the benefits package, when you're 18 years old, you get travel, you get a steady paycheck. Uh, your room and board is paid for like so most of the paycheck goes directly into your pocket it's not much money but it's more money than you were making you get 30 days of paid leave like so a whole month that you can take off um you get health care uh and you get to be a part of this thing so like in a lot of ways the military for an 18 year old i understand it being incredibly attractive because what else are you going to do you're turn 18 you can go into massive amounts of debt going to college and getting a communications degree or whatever uh and then you're 22 and then what do you do with yourself uh or you can go work at your t-mobile store which you know and that's you know if you don't have the connections the military is kind of that is is kind of a a a step forward for a lot of people um I, but I'm, I'm going to be interested to see, like, do people still see that? Do people still see it as a, as a step forward? And the other thing is the military is really only an option for people who, um, who have other people in the military. So like, like my daughter is four and she loves to talk about me being an army, an army man. And I'm, uh, the best soldier. And one day she's going to grow up and be a soldier like me. Now I know that she's just four and she wants to be like dad and everything. And don't worry, we're going to, once she has more cognitive abilities, we're going to have those discussions about, please don't join the military. I did it and it's terrible. And you know, absolutely nobody should ever do it. But you know, it had, it's still, I fucking don't know where I was going with that point. I apologize. Um, I get into these, I get into these rambles. Um, oh, you're asking about, you know, the, uh, the future where, where we end up seeing this go. Um, again, national service is maybe going to be, uh, an option if there's still enough of a government to try to put something like that together. Um, but I just, I, I don't know. Like the thing, the, the wildest thing here is to look, to look at everything that's going on with the military and be five months out from an election where like, I'm, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure Trump will lose, but I'm not absolutely sure. And just to be like, I don't, I just don't know what happens next. And I don't, I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know where they're going to go with it. Um, like I said, they've got a war widow whose story is my husband was shot in the back by his friends. So maybe you should join the army and do that too, I guess. I just, I don't know. Um, it really feels like the military is flailing itself to try to figure it out. Um, and again, like, like I said earlier too, like your average, your average, uh, soldier your average 18 year old is just not in shape to be in the military like there's there's a lot of there's a lot of chunkers coming up um and 
you know, for, for as much of the, I was going to join the army, but I got into college instead, it was way easier for me to get into college than it was to do anything to ever join the military. Like college didn't make me duck walk across a, a floor in my underwear to make sure that like all of my joints were working properly. College never made me pee in a cup. So. Yeah. It's interesting. One thing that uh, Miss Silver noted back in 2009, 2009 uh, and 2010 is that really for the um, decline of the American empire, it really sort of like the point of no return was there because when we had this, like all these bailouts happening, it was basically for the corporations. It wasn't for, you know, the real economy. It wasn't for people. And I think, you know, what we're seeing in the military right now, where it's just the average 18 year old is not fit enough to, or stable enough or having the right record to be in the military is a consequence of the decisions that were made in 2009, um, 2010. Yeah, um, like, like Ms. Silver, would well, you have something to say about that? So part of it is, <clears throat> I mean, well, I just, one thing I would bring up um, is I actually know somebody who was, in the military. Uh, I think she's still got a couple months left on her Navy Reserve contract. Um, or, you know, she's like uh, eligible to be called up. Um, I, I don't under quite understand how it works. Um, but she basically joined entirely because um, you know, she lived in a small town in Montana, and it's like, what are you going to do if you can't afford all of the costs of actually going to school um, without incurring, you know, horrific amounts of debt? And, I mean, college has kind of become like this place where, you know, you, you sit and spin for four years and come out with, like, Fifty, hundred thousand in debt, and um, uh, it's. I can understand why it was attractive, um, especially after, during, and after the you know great financial crisis in two thousand eight, two thousand nine, and we've done nothing to fix those conditions. But meanwhile, everything just gets steadily worse, and nothing changes. You remember, you remember when everybody was yelling at Michelle Obama because she had the audacity uh -huh. to say maybe kids should eat vegetables on occasion? And everybody's uh -huh. like, how fucking... I remember, I remember my own, like, ex my, my disgraced ex-governor in Missouri, uh, Eric Greitens, was all up in arms about that because he's like, they're going to take the chocolate milk away from the school kids. And I remember I loved a good chocolate milk when I was a kid. It's like, dude, you're a Navy SEAL, so, mm -hmm. like, you turned out okay, like, physically, but uh, it stopped making the kids fan. To stop, like who, who, who's gonna be in the meat grinder next if you keep like chunking up the kids and then like kicking them out of the the, the terrible shitty public schools as their terrible shitty meals, and uh, then r unleash them uh, onto the economy? Like, what do you think that? How do you think that's gonna help? Like, nobody in the nobody in the military, sorry, nobody in the government has any like idea of long term like goals. Like, other than, you know, the Republicans are really good at, like, okay, in 30 years, we want everything to be fucked up to this kind of level, so here's the ground game we need to do right now. But, like, at no point in time are they, like, uh, we should factor in, like, the literal working class because 
if we completely mulch them, then who's going to generate the labor to generate our money? Um, you know, so don't put them all into the mulch pile. We need to, to make sure some of them are happy. And the, you know, the ultimate, like, you know, the failure of capitalism, uh, it will always be that, you know, the dragons want their hordes, want their, you know, dragon horde piles to get bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, and eventually the, the villagers are going to come with their spears and they're going to come take it fucking back. So I think that's what we're on the cusp of at the moment. I'm going to throw out, like, because sometimes we like to, like, throw around, like, you know, potential, like, doomsday predictions, and, you know, on a half of them are in jest, and a half of those ones done in jest have all come true, at least. Um, just to throw one out, um, total doomsday scenario, let's say, because we've seen examples of vote suppression in Georgia... And there's the kind of shenanigans going on in Kentucky that are basically like right out of Jim Crow in a lot of ways. Um, And all kinds of other like similar shit, like the Wisconsin state Supreme Court making people go and vote in a pandemic and possibly die for democracy. Um, Let's say that the like state level Republicans are sufficiently like black pilled that they say, fuck it, we're going to throw it for our guy in enough of those, like, Rust Belt swing states that he squeaked by in last time. What do you... I I mean, just generally, what do you you think might happen? Because you were saying, like, it doesn't seem like there's any sense of future for, like, of what people are thinking what's going to actually happen with the military after, with, like, Biden coming in. So what if you know, the Republican Party just says, fuck it, we're going to go full on with shenanigans at the ballot box. Oh. Uh, I mean, how do you think people might... Like, re- how would the military yeah. react? Well, not necessarily the military, but the rank and file. I, I don't know, honestly. Like, the, the, and that's what, that's what this really comes down to, is because the National Guard... The National Guard is not the police. Like, the National Guard is made up of, of people who... Um, are like me, they're one week in a month. So they're not constantly like, you know, the police are constantly uh, amping themselves up as if they're going into a war zone. Um, so that's, you know, they, they are an they see themselves as an occupying force. The National Guard does not do that. At least I, I hope most of them do not do that. Uh, that is at least not ingrained into the National Guard. But also at the same time, the National Guard shot a guy in uh, uh, Louisville. So it's it's hard to say. I would like to say that maybe like a quarter of the National Guard would like probably be like, nah, fuck this, I'm out. Um, maybe not join the protests, but at least walk away from it. But you know, when if if, if we're talking about you know the uh, the idea of Trump deciding, um, I don't care who wins. I'm going to say that the uh, that the election was invalid because of whatever reason I'm going to invent in my fever brain worm head of mine. Um, I, I really don't know because the thing is, is I don't think, and, and I'm fingers crossed on this. I just don't think that the military and the police and the secret service in, you know, maybe the secret service, I don't know about them, but the military, at least, I just don't think that they would in on masses be like, no, we have to follow everything, you know, to the to the letter with this. Cuz the thing is the military does not 
we're, we're not here for the president. We, we take an oath to the constitution. So, and as fucked up as the constitution is, and as much as, you know, you, you may believe, you know, rightfully so that it should be burned and rebuilt and maybe rewritten every 25 years. Um, you know, that, that is the thing that we stand behind. So if you've got a president who's deciding I'm not going to do this, Technically, the National Guard should be turning their guns on the president to say, no, you need to leave. Um, democracy will stay intact. Will that happen? 50-50, I don't know. But also, the thing is, you're going to have a shitload. Like, protests are going to be... I I mean, look, you guys have already doomered me into believing that in August, everything's going to hell regardless. So imagine a world in which like, we've got... A, a completely, you know, blacked out economy. We've got rampant um, uh, uh, unemployment and we're starting to head into winter and f- food logistics starts to go down. I, I don't know how long anybody keeps their head in that situation, like mentally or physically, honestly. So I don't know. I mean, there's so many outlying factors that you have to take in. Because, I mean, if it wasn't for this pandemic, would, would the Black Lives Matter protests right now be as big as they are? I don't know. Like, there's... It's just there's so many wild cards being thrown in, and it's just like, what's going to be next? What's going to be the next thing? Is he gonna? Is Trump actually going to be like, no, fuck you, I'm not leaving? Um, as he obviously is trying to do with some of his tweets, uh, will he leave and then Biden gets in and then yabba dabba doos his way into just fascism completely taking over because he's you know himself a doddering old fool and Trump has completely fucked the lower courts for the next. 40 years who fucking knows everything is so weird and i don't know we're living we're we're living in the paragraph in wikipedia before everything gets really interesting and i don't like that i don't like that at all so uh, yeah it's the cool zone it's not very cool cool at all um but yeah it's right it's cool to read about but not cool to be in uncharted we're very much in uncharted waters and it feels um, it feels like talking to you that, like, you're as lost as we are, or we're as lost as you are. <laughs> I think everybody's lost. I'll be honest with you. Like, I've been... Yeah, I mean, not... I I would say you're making the argument that even the military is lost, uh, you know, well, the I ship mean, without a rudder I... drifting around. Well, like you have a huge storm going on, I can, and I can only people speak are jumping myself. off the ship. Uh, I don't know how other people in the military feel. Um, I don't talk to, I don't really talk to soldiers that much anymore. Like I haven't for a long time because, like, I talk to the soldiers in my unit and I'm friendly with them because, in general, they are good, good people. Like they're they're normal, they're normal everyday people. And, uh, you know, some of them, you know, they're all troops. Some of them are even cops, you know, but you're friendly with them because your coworkers with them. And as long as everybody keeps their politics themselves, uh, we can all, we can all be fine and move on with our lives. So like, and that's the thing I just, I don't talk to soldiers like on a regular basis, especially not active duty soldiers. So I don't know. I don't know where the rest of them stand. All I know is what I see in polling data and what I see like, 
I just like this, the stories that come out and you know, there's some active duty people on Twitter. There's, there's a lot of active duty people on Twitter that I follow. And a lot of them, I, I can tell are very upset about the things that are going on. I've seen many, a military officer, write Uh, all cops are bastards, which is Ooh. fucking surprising to me. It's fucking ballsy, but, uh, you know, Hey, that's, uh, we're, we're in ballsy times. I think, I, um, burn a police station so, is running ahead of Trump and Biden right now. So, Right. I mean, everybody everybody likes burning a police station. A police station that's on fire has probably not raped anybody. So, because it's on fire, there are no rapists inside of it now. And if they are, they're on fire too, so fuck them. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I... I I, I am personally. I am adrift and rudderless. Um, I I am not as connected into the military world anymore, um, other than the liberal and left leaning uh, troops and veterans that uh, that I follow on Twitter. Um, you know, and sometimes you dip your your toe into the rest of it. And there, and that's the thing though. You got you got people like me who will say, "Don't join the army." Uh, recruiting is bullshit don't you know don't do this don't do that don't do these things because nobody the military won't care about you you'll have your full fash you know grunt style kill them all let god sort them out people but again most people are just kind of weirdly in the weirdly i say weirdly because i've been on a fringe for so fucking long that i keep looking at normies and being and asking them to to stop fence sitting but you know you have a lot of just normal ass people in the middle um i think i think a problem is that i'm just on twitter so much um and i don't especially after, you know, COVID, I, you know, we're not interacting with people the way, you know, outside of our circles as we used to. So I don't know, again, a lot of fucking wild cards going on there. So I could be completely wrong. Lord knows it's happened before. And I mean, yeah, like, I mean, some of our, like, I mean, like I said before, like some of our, like most outlandish predictions were ones that were like, oh no, that's totally a joke. Oil will never reach $20 a barrel. And then that's hilarious. Like the next week. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we manifested this into an existence, and you know, the deepest <laughs> apologies from all of us at Chalk Shop. Well, if I'm gonna realize that we were all apparently. magic, if I'm gonna, if I'm gonna fucking lathe something, uh, lathe of heaven something into existence here, um, I don't know. Um, my prediction is that the military will. Do a coup, but it won't be any better because guess what? The military is fucked up and completely broken and uh, leaderless and pretty much everybody in it is a bit of a shithead in some way. So I don't know. I, I guess I love it when people say like, oh, the military should do a coup. It's like, man, you don't want me in fucking charge of this shit. <laughs> you, you know how we do a coup with guns and you know how we keep the order with other yeah. guns. So no, you don't want that. Go vote or something. Feels Jesus very Christ. Much. Yeah. It's not just it like, you know, it feels very much I mean, like, Something that they you noted earlier. Exactly as rudderless and helpless as as the civilian leadership right now. It's just they have they can just use you know the bludgeon of force um, and don't have to pretend that they're not. Um, I would you know. 
I would be very in like it, from a purely historical reading Wikipedia, not that I would actually want to live through it. I would be very interested and I might need to, I might, I might need to talk about this on my show to really tease it out, but like a coup in like, you think a coup in some, something like Venezuela, right? Where Venezuela is, is a, is, is an autonomous country, but by itself and it has regions and it probably has counties, but it's not like United States which has states and has its own very robust state governments and state, you know, uh, uh, financial situations and agriculture stuff. So I, you know, I just don't know what a coup would look like if you did a coup, if the military, but like only part of the military would do a coup. And technically the governor of a state is in charge of the national guard. Not, they're not federal. They are state. Um, even though they are still technically in the army. So I don't know. That'd be wild. Again, don't want to fucking live through it. Don't shit. I mentioned it on the Lathe of Heaven co- podcast. Now it's going to happen, where I'm going to see how my unelected governor deals with uh, having to, like Trump being forcibly removed from office, and then Missouri having to once again try to figure out what it's going to do during the Civil War. Versus a free- <laughs> Kaiser Newsom. Yeah, I mean, a prediction. A prediction that I have is that. Um, if we do end up uh, dealing with like tr- Trump trying to stay in office um, and there ends up being a coup and things start to break down um, I, and the National Guard is supposed to, you know, turn their guns on the president, I imagine that, you know, we've always joked about Kaiser Newsom, you know, but Newsom has been consolidating power in the Western states for a while. I mean, California and everything but name is an autonomous nation state that is doing its things like 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 jerry brown who was like the previous governor was like when trump got elected his first speech was we're going to do our own foreign policy on climate change and renewables and all this other stuff and basically like do our own state department out of like the governor's back office like which you know like fairly certain that there's like several levels of that is so not constitutional going on but that's been the state of play for like four years. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure that Missouri would be just carved up by the seven states that touch us. Like just they wouldn't we I, I, I just don't I, I don't feel strongly about our chances as a autonomous government during a coup or after. So probably probably everything's just gonna get absorbed by Oklahoma and Kansas uh. and Illinois. <laughs> <laughs> sorry i think uh, i think about yeah. missouri politics i'm from st louis so missouri economies and politics are constantly i'm always thinking about those things too sorry no no, no. no, no that's cool part of me wants to make an yeah. ex serbia joke but you would never no, get it good. <laughs> but yeah it's It, the wheels yeah. are flying off the bus yeah. everywhere. I mean, that that seems to be like the only thing that really is consistent. Is like, you know, we've got an economy that's doing stuff that would have had the CIA stage a coup okay. like months ago, um, at the behest of the IMF. Like, and like from what you're saying, Francis, this is like conditions like bordering on like what you would have expected in like Czarist Russia or something. Yeah. I'm and and the 
I don't think we're there yet. Uh, no, we're not. There, there's not about to be oh, yeah, uh, a 1917. No. Um, it's. Yeah, I don't think we're about to enter into a revolution, but I do think that right now what we're seeing is the seeds for a revolution uh, starting, starting to be sown. I mean, the myth of the invulnerability of the police has been broken. And when police are the enforcers of capital, they're not there to protect communities. They are there as occupiers. And that contradiction is being plainly shown right now. So I think I think right now what we're seeing is this, you know, growth and spread of class consciousness. And I think, you know, once people get more organized uh, next year or the year afterwards, I think, you know, we might start to see shit go really, really wild. I mean, especially if your prediction comes true that we see a coup of the government, I mean, that would basically destroy any legitimacy at all in the, that people have within the of the United States. To be fair, my prediction is not for the for the coup. I don't yeah. want that to happen. Oh yeah. <laughs> no, not really. I mean, my um, no, I don't want it to happen either. But the coup is that it wouldn't solve anything. Um, I don't think that the military. Uh, I, I don't. I don't think anyone would be up to this historical moment. We're all powerless before it. All, all a military coup would do is just shuffle the deck of leaders. It it doesn't. It doesn't change the facts on the ground. It's not going to suddenly reverse the mass evictions or anything. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, you see how bad we are at nation building. There's certainly not going to be any better on home turf. <laughs> I mean, you were wanting to bring up the uh, focus yeah. boomerang, but that's that's an interesting implication. Um, our inability to nation build elsewhere means we certainly can't do it here. <laughs> It reminds me of what Marx once said, you know, first tragedy, then a farce. And I think that's what we're going to, we're likely going to see. I mean, even if we were to see a coup of the government, the failure to nation build, it, I think ultimately comes down to the contradictions of what you were talking about earlier, Francis, is that in Iraq and Afghanistan, that pretty much any way that people, you know, get money, you know, get a get more funding, get more stuff is through grifting. But you have the contradictions is that, you know, for, you know, the families of these soldiers, you know, they're housed in really terrible conditions. And I think that gap between the grift and the horrific conditions, I think sooner or later, that's going to come to a head and break a lot of faith that the rank and file have with Maybe not with high command necessarily, um, but possibly with high command, but in general with the civilian yeah, government, billions, you know, uh, yeah, completely like or billions mostly. for a graft plane that has barely even been proven to fly, but not a dime for housing, for anything. I mean, 
you, you can't run a military that way. Um. <laughs> well, we're going to certainly try. Apparently. Like, sounds like somebody, like, at some point went to, like, a Harvard MBA seminar and went, yes, this cost-cutting thing sounds like a brilliant idea. Let's just do that. And just take all the money to the top. Look, Lockheed executives have to be paid. And I think, you know, there's been a lot of revolutions that have happened as a result of basically, you know, the people in power not thinking about the material conditions, uh, you know, and living situation of the rank and file soldiers, the people who are doing the day-to-day work that sustains an empire. And when you are put when those people are not having like livable conditions or having horrific conditions, you know, to bring up what you said earlier, just having like ply plywood like on the windows to prevent rain from coming in. I think that is something that is going to break a lot of faith that people have in the military. And I mean, if you look at other examples of revolutions, that's, you know, was one of the precursors like, you know, to like a lot of revolutions. A normal discontent congealing into something much worse for the official leadership. If that makes sense. I'm sorry, we're we're off in the weeds. We're rambling a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just a bit. Um yeah. So just to sort of, like, bring things back around, um, uh, Francis, what would you say, like, to anyone who is, like, out in the street or, um, in, like, you know, like, podcasting, um, like, digging around in things like Blue Leaks or whatever, like, what is, like, one thing that you would say to take away since, you know, we seem to be in a political moment where, the military doing a thing is actually a very real possibility, which is kind of like, I mean, that by itself is really weird in American history to begin with. So like, what would you like, what's like one thing that you would give as like guidance for anyone who's looking for some kind of light in the fog? I mean, just understand the military, the military is not the police. And while I'm not saying that that doesn't make the military, like people in the military, super racist or violent or whatever, like they don't have the mindset of cops usually. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how to make anybody feel better about that. Like I just feel like you're you're more likely to get a troop to um, to put down their gun than I think you're going to be a cop. So. I don't know. I don't know how much. I don't know like what percentage, but I, I think you have a better chance with the troop just because I we're, we we just don't have that same mindset. So that's that's really the only like little bit of hope that I could in in that kind of scenario that I could give you. I don't think any of that stuff's going to happen, so I'm not super worried about it. This is obviously a very like, but you know, I more than likely we're going to have a normal fucking election, but. As we know, everything's up in the air. I hope so, but with like Kentucky and the other places that we've seen, it's I don't have a lot of hope for this November. Not necessarily because like 
I'm hoping for Biden to win or whatever, because honestly, fuck that dude. Like, you know, I hope he dies on his <laughs> on like a toilet somewhere in a very I mean, messy he's, death. He's directly responsible for my debt being like. I mean, in I don't impossible to discharge. So yeah, fuck him. <laughs> yeah, like I don't think we're gonna see a lot of legitimacy. Like that much, I feel like in is November. Broken. But yeah. This is what lesser evilism has gotten us. We're brought to this moment, and maybe Sanders can salvage it. Well, we'll never know. Um, but that's that's not the timeline we live in. It's it's not. And yeah, and we have all of these you know, factors and trends that we're trying to analyze and figure out where they're going. But honestly, the truth of it is, is that, you know, we're, you know, on the roller coaster, you know, just, you know, just starting now, we're almost at the top of the peak of the first part of the roller coaster. And then we're going to go down. But to where we go Ooh. exactly, that's really hard to say. I mean, anything well, you know, can happen at this kind point. kind of a good thing because, you know, the fact that things are up in the air is itself because people in power are fucking up so you know there is there is positives there even if it's not you know what we would have looked for well and the positive is the good way to end that then otherwise we're all going to get really maudlin again yep so <laughs> um um no, that's about it on my end. Um, we could probably cut out this little bit because this doesn't really contain too much information. But uh, for Francis, uh, is there anything that you want to plug? Any events that uh, are happening on Zoom? Um, any interesting No, I'm very uninteresting uh, in general. But uh, I do have the podcast if you want to hear more lefty military stuff. Uh, hell of a way to die. Check that out. Alright. Awesome. It's been great having you on. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, yeah, this was amazing. Yeah, thank you for being here. It was so good to have you and like talk about all of this. Oh yeah, we need to close this. So Miss Silver. This is Death. My co hosts are Miss Silver. And yeah, we will see you this we will see you this weekend and talk about the wild fucking roller coaster that we on and we may live in wild and crazy and intense times but as the doc said earlier, you know, everything is up in the air and there's opportunities for hope. The legitimacy of our these institutions around us that we thought were internal in, eternal that we thought would be around forever they are breaking down and there are opportunities for us to build something better, to build a new world. And so for those who are black pilled, for those who are worried about the future, who don't think things are going to be, are going to get better. No, this, this is an opportunity for change. Like to quote, to quote Lenin, he never thought that revolution would happen in his own lifetime. 
but it did. We just have to build it. We just have to build the world to come. And that comes with each and every one of you getting involved. That doesn't mean going to the front lines, but that means like doing the logistical work, doing the back end. You know, maybe if you want to go to the front lines, then you can, but everybody has a part to play in building this new world. And I'm excited for each and one of you because we're dealing with catastrophe, but it's in emergencies, it's in catastrophes, it's in disasters that we see people come together. And I think this is a prime opportunity to do so. So even with all the doom and gloom that we have coming to us starting August onwards, you know, don't forget to look out for those seeds of hope and to nurture them and to sustain them and let them grow into trees. It's said in Judaism that when the Messiah comes, if you're planting the tree, it's more important to plant the tree than to go see the Messiah first. And what that means is that, you know, we might have revolution on, on the corner, you know, in maybe a year or five years or whatever. But right now, it's more important to work on those long-term investments, those long-term projects, the ones that are nitty and gritty and not necessarily glorious, because these are the things that will give us the world to come, that will give us revolution. And I have a deep abiding revolutionary faith and trust in each and every one of you that we will build a better future. So this is Death. My co-hosts are Miss Silver and Doc. And we just interviewed Francis. <laughs> Bye, everyone. And we do this shit so you don't have to. Way down south in the land of traders, rattlesnakes and alligators. Right away, come away, right away, come away. Where cotton's king and men are chattels, union boys will win the battles. Right away, come away, right away, come away. We'll all go down to Dixie, away, away. Each Dixie boy must understand.